Welcome to the All In Your Head podcast, where we get all in your head. We are a mental health podcast focused on anything and everything mental health. We will have special guests ranging from mental health experts, mental health advocates, and just everyday people with real struggles. We will share laughs, we will share cries, but most importantly, we will have real conversations about mental health. So with that being said, let's get all in your head. Woohoo! What's up, everyone? Welcome to the seventh episode of the All In Your Head podcast, a podcast that is focused on anything and everything mental health. This is your host, Jamie Glick, and you'll be spending some time with me for this episode so that I can bring you some exciting news, which I'll talk about in a bit. But first, we're going to do a recap of the first half of season one. I am so grateful for the guests who have spent time with us in the last six weeks. We've had guests share their stories of personal healing, which takes a lot of vulnerability. Some of these guests have reached out after the episode has aired to thank me for getting their message out, but also to thank me for providing a platform for their own healing. When you have had some of the experiences of the guests on the show, the healing really never stops, and I'm grateful to have been able to play just a small piece in their healing. We have also had some mental health experts on the show who have been able to use this platform to share their expertise and resources, and I'm really grateful for their contributions as well. So before we get into the exciting news, let's talk specifically about each of the episodes and some of the takeaways um, of each of the episodes. So in the first episode, Surviving 7, we talked to Scott Hayes, who talked about his physical and mental recovery from being shot seven times. So we often think about the physical recovery from a trauma such as this, but the mental recovery can be just as, and for some people, even more important than the physical recovery. There are too many stories of people who have had a physical trauma that almost kills them, and in their recovery from the physical trauma, the mental trauma ends up taking so much from them, and sometimes even their own life. This is why this mental recovery is so important. There is this commonly used saying, what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. I think there's a sense of empowerment in this expression, and it certainly can be true, but it takes a very intentional effort for it to be true takes work. It doesn't happen by accident. If you don't put in that intentional work, what doesn't kill you can actually kill you. So what advice does Scott Hayes give us about his mental recovery? There are five main points that he made in regards to his recovery. First, he stated that for him, he really had to focus one day at a time. Otherwise, it could have been overwhelming to think about his whole recovery. He next talked about relying on his support network and how critical this was for him. So if things are going well for you right now, put some work into that support system. You might need it later. Scott also talked about the importance of exercise for both his physical and mental recovery. There's a lot of research on the benefits of exercise for mental health, but for Scott, it was more. It was about keeping good habits and also the relationships he had already built through his culture of fitness. So exercise was really important for his recovery. He also talked about finding your purpose through tragedy. For him, he got a lot of purpose through the fact that he also saved someone's life in the process, and this helped him to compartmentalize the event to take away something positive. Lastly, he talked about how he uses humor in his recovery. Let's be clear, there's nothing funny about being shot, and gun violence is a very serious problem in our country. Let's be really clear on that. But Scott was able to use humor in his recovery process to help him through the hard days. 
This also affected his overall attitude about this situation and his recovery. Let's be honest, sometimes we only have two choices as to how to respond to something shitty that happens to us in life. Laugh or cry. There's value in both, but when I can, I'm going to choose the laugh. In the next episode, is titled Battlefields, we heard from former Detroit Lion Casey Fitzsimmons, who talked about his recovery from a Korean concussion. This episode was aired the first week of the NFL season this year, and since then there has been some serious concussions in the NFL, along with some questionable decisions made by the league in response to these concussions. The NFL Players Union has also been critical of the NFL in the response to concussions, and I'm hoping that there's some progress made in protecting players after not just concussions, but all injuries. Football is a violent sport, and there's a lot of risk involved. The players sign off on this risk, but when injuries do happen, the NFL has a responsibility to care for its employees. Casey Fitzsimmons talks about his experiences after his injury, including drugs and alcohol abuse, depression, and suicidal thoughts. At his low, he said that there were times where he was just waiting for a chance to kill himself. Fortunately, Casey, through the help of those around him, was able to get the help that he needed along with changing his habits. He is now living a much healthier life, and while his work may never stop, he is at a point where he is talking about his experiences and putting in the work. He also credits therapy as helping him to be more in the moment and ground himself when he needs to. He also calls on the NFL to take more accountability for its players, especially players who suffer with concussions and CTE. In episode 3, Charlotta Evans tells her story of forgiveness. Now in my intro, I said that we'll share laughs and cries, and this became very true in this episode. Within hours of holding her son, Kaysan, while he took his last breath after being shot in a drive-by, she chose to forgive the shooter. She chose to forgive the shooter before she even knew who the shooter was. Choosing forgiveness guided her healing process and also led her to advocate for juveniles who receive life sentences for crimes that are committed while juveniles. She also advocated for her son's killer, which led him to asking her to be his mom. Through her own process, she said yes to forgiveness and yes to being the mom of the man who killed her son. She described forgiveness as a supernatural gift. I work with a lot of people who have chosen not to forgive, for different reasons, but most often it's because they do not feel the other person deserves their forgiveness. So instead, they live with this anger and resentment that ends up only hurting themselves. We all have people in our life who have hurt us, and in some cases continue to hurt us. I will tell you, though, that not choosing forgiveness continues this hurt, but mostly for you. If you wait for the other person to earn your forgiveness, you may die awaiting. And this anger and resentment you hold on to could even lead to health problems that lead to a sooner death. There is research to even back this up. There are a lot of mental health and physical challenges that come with anger and resentment of you not forgiving. So who do you need to forgive today? In the next two episodes, we heard from some experts in the mental health space. In episode four, we heard from Andrew Bort from the Institute of Group Therapy. He shares some practical knowledge about how to engage groups at any level. And I especially like the questions that he posed about approaching these interventions with question one being, what do I want them to be able to do by the end? Question two, how will I know if they've done it? And then question three, how is this going to help them when they leave treatment? Question three, I especially really like. As I mentioned in the podcast, I've seen group therapy in careers. It's not easy, and we're often sending therapists unprepared for this intervention. 
I certainly vouch for this resource, and if you are a leader in the mental health space, I would definitely check this out. I believe in them so much that they're also a sponsor moving forward for season one of this podcast, and I'm really grateful for that. In the next episode, we heard from Kruthi Kronosha, who is the co-founder and CEO of Healthy Gamer, a mental health platform built to help the internet generation. It was great hearing from an innovative mental health resource that is truly meeting people where they're at. She also provided some practical advice for gamers, parents of gamers, and therapists who are working with gamers. They operate within the subclinical space, which essentially means interventions before or in conjunction with therapy. So check out the show notes for those episodes to get more information on how to access resources from both the Institute of Group Therapy and Healthy Gamer. In our most recent episode, we heard from Angelique Bird, who talks about her journey of running. She also talks about the benefits of being part of the Black Running Organization, a group where she feels connected and a place where she can just be. She talks about her experiences in a space where often she is the only person who looks like her and how she navigates those spaces. So that's the first six episodes, and I'm very happy with how they've turned out. I'm happy with the direction of this podcast. From the beginning, I made an intentional decision that this podcast would promote diverse people and ideas, and I hope that the first half of season one reflects that. We have some exciting episodes lined up for the second half of season one, and I hope you continue to listen in and support this podcast. All right, so let's get the exciting news rolling. As of now, I've made a commitment to drop a new podcast every Monday. These have consisted of interviews of mental health professionals and advocates and real people with real struggles. That'll continue. Gotten great feedback from the guests, from the listeners. It's been helpful for a lot of people. But in addition to this, I'm launching a weekly podcast where I'll be providing some real-world useful advice on how to manage your own mental health. These will be short but powerful, and that's why I'm calling them Mental Microbursts. These will be released on a random day throughout the week, so it's important that you subscribe to the podcast using whichever platform you listen to so that you know when it's released. As a mental health provider and expert in the space, I'm really excited to bring this to all of you. I'm hoping this can be just another avenue to help people and to discuss important topics that affect all of us. So make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, also write a positive review so that more people have access to this podcast. And just keep the love coming, y'all. I mean, that's what really keeps me going. This is my hobby. I don't get paid for this. It's 10.15 on a Sunday night. I could be in bed right now, but I'm not because I understand the importance of this podcast and getting the message out about mental health and giving people a platform to share their stories. So keep the love coming. Send me an email. Send me a message on LinkedIn. I love to hear them all, and that's really what keeps me going. Be on the lookout for the first mental microburst. It's going to be dropped sometime in the next week, so be looking for it. And as always, keep putting in that work for your own mental health, y'all. You have just listened to the All In Your Head podcast. Learn more by following Jamie Glick on LinkedIn or by subscribing to the Mental Health Training Camp YouTube channel. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, you can call now or text 988 to get connected to free confidential support. Thanks for listening.